What's goody how breath averse? I am teaching a clean comedy workshop on Zoom this Sunday afternoon. So if you've ever wondered where the line is in clean comedy, how to transform your dirty jokes to clean jokes without compromising your voice, and get live feedback on your material in the workshop, scroll to the bottom of the show notes, click the link, join the clean comedy workshop, or go to joelbyerscomedy.com slash clean comedy workshop. And I'll see you there. Last one sold out, so jump on it. Yeah. Which no, is what we're doing here. Nothing alone. We're comedians helping comedians as that theme song rolls in as we get into this Q&A. Yoshi and I had some great shows this past week. Yoshi headlined a show we did together. Kilt yeah. it. It was fun. That was a super and, fun show. And we're here to help y'all do the same in your own comedy careers and whatever your goals are. So welcome to our weekly Q&A we do every Tuesday live streamed on our youtube channel yeah yeah we are full-time comedians here to help you do the same if that's what you aspire to do absolutely here's my favorite thing about this weekend about that show that we did together mm -hmm. <laughs> so this is a show this i think it's important to know like there's different ways you can do shows but this is a show that joe and i both produce together joe hosts a show and i put the comments joe? together Joel, sorry. Joel hosts the show. What? <laughs> what? Joel, Joel hosts the show. What, do we all look the same? All you white people look and sound the same, so it's fine. That's on me. Joe That's Bowers. So so Joel hosts the show, and I uh, get the rest of the comedians. Oh, and, and I just heard thunder. So just saying, if anything cuts out, that means my power cut out. I just want oh, everyone to know. No, no, no. Understandable. Because um, it's happened and before. As, as we were doing the show and we did the show, and it was the you know we can say this was one of those shows that's like it's like the it's a venue set up where we get tips from the audience and the audience itself is the one that gives us the tips and that's how we pay the comedians mm -hmm. and we were like oh this is the best tips we've ever got and we were like why do you think that is and it just came down to one thing the comedians were hilarious like the quality of the show yep the quality of the show was just high and so something to remember is you always want to put high quality shows together to get the kind of results that you want because they stayed. I mean, I think the show is 90 minutes, pretty yeah. long for a comedy show. Mm -hmm. We had four comedians and then I closed out. So it was a pretty like good, like variety of comics that we put on the show. But I think that quality helped people like oh we got more than what we bargained for sprinkling the tip money so i think it's all so yep. just i wanted to make sure i bring that up that quality helps you get the kind of things that you want from your comedy yep yep and we go into uh actually the next few weeks i'm gonna be out of town so we actually pre-recorded a few type five podcasts where we dive into quickly in a few episodes they're like five to seven minutes long but yoshi and i pre-recorded a few where we're actually diving a little bit deeper and more specific into certain topics that we get asked about a lot and sure. producing your own show is one that we're going to be releasing um over these next few weeks as i am out of town so we won't be doing these live streams and um that's something we talk about is we've talked about in here before is like well one co-producing your show is like mm -hmm. if you can co-produce it that's the best like i was doing i was doing these shows alone at first like at these two breweries that we co-produce together at now and i yeah. was just like yo 
I need Yoshi. Yo, Yoshi, holla at your boy. Like, comedy's supposed to be fun, and I can tell you a great way to challenge that fun very quickly is to produce your own show alone. Uh, it, it can be done. For it sure. It's being done by yeah. several comedians, but, like, for me, I just know, like, I just, I'm willing to, yeah. For sure. And I think it's leaning into what you're good at. When Joe right. was like, hey, uh, I don't like wrangling comics. Yeah. For <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, that's one of my favorite parts. I yep. got you. Right. And so we partnered and we we're like, okay, I'll wrangle the comics. You host the show. And I think it just worked out in that way because to your point, we found the strength that we're both good at and we mm -hmm. leveraged it for the show itself. And now both successful shows, we do it on a regular consistent basis. So yeah, I think when in doubt, try to find a partner that can help you do the thing that maybe you're not, you, you don't enjoy doing because you want to yeah. enjoy the part. You want to enjoy the comedy part. And I enjoy producing a lot. I love producing comedy. And another good point about producing a quality show is uh, quality, like, word travels when something is quality. So the show you and I co-produce on Saturday, um, it went really well. And then yeah. the next day, a friend of the brewery that we did that show at DM'd me and was like, oh, I heard you do this show over here. We'd love to do one at our place. Like, the and the show... Yeah. The show Saturday was a, a home run. And the reason was, again, quality show, quality lineup. The headliner yep. absolutely destroyed it. People are like, yes, more of that. So more I think I think we're yeah. catching stride here. You know, I think yeah. it's a lot of trial and error, but I I feel like we're definitely catching stride here. Yeah, I like that. Yay, yay. We Yeah. In, so in that's here. a fun thing. Yeah, about um co-producing shows so we'll have a, we'll have like a tight five podcast about that in uh, the next few weeks for y'all to enjoy and just apply for yourselves but uh yeah, yeah. you know comedy's comedy's working and you, your boy's gonna be in east tennessee at bristol comedy club all weekend this past weekend this upcoming weekend nice. may 19th and 20th that was put together by hot breather phil ketron so y'all listening yeah. I'm telling you, reach out to us. Message yeah. us if you want to do a show together. Phil reached out to me and was like, would you be interested in headlining this comedy club? Uh, say less, fam. Say and now less. we're doing this whole clean comedy weekend there. He was on the news promoting it and all sorts. So listen, yeah. we're here to work. We're full-time working comedians. We want to work with y'all. We want to meet y'all. We want to help y'all as much as you are enjoying this show. So let's... Don't hesitate to reach out, seriously. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, so we got some questions coming in. And uh, real quick, while this is on, now that we were talking about Type 5 and whatnot, Jerry asked the details on the Type 5 product, which we used to do something called the Type 5 Accelerator, where we would help comedians develop a five-minute set in a month. And it was like a weekly thing we would do where we would all meet every week and people would perform and get feedback from us in a very like detailed and hands-on way. And then there'd be like a graduation show where we bring in the CEO of World Series of Comedy who gives feedback as well. Um, and we did it for we did it for a while. And then, you know, we're 
we're just, you know, we're working comedians on ourselves and Yoshi has a family and we do this live stream and a lot of other things. So it just kind of anything Yoshi and I do, we want to be mindful. We want to put everything we have into everything we do. Like we don't sure. anything to become like passive or feel like an obligation. And we knew that as pandemic was ending and our schedules were getting busier, we want to make sure anything we do, especially anything comics pay for, because we know how valuable money is to comedians that we want to make sure that we are like under promising and over delivering. So that's something we did for a while that we just kind of weren't really quite able to do as much anymore. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I mean, if we do it again, I promise you, we will let you know. Cause yeah. that, that type five was like, I feel like we got comedians to just gold with their material. Oh dude. It was wild. Like, yeah. It was, it was it was like deep like we went mm -hmm. deep, deep with all the comedy and all the comics of just like getting them talking about their voice their stage presence everything to attach them to get to sort of really not having just a a hot five like we called it the tight five like this was showcase ready material yeah. for you to perform in front of bookers so you can be like oh i want to work here at this club that that was the big time focus of that type five accelerator yeah for sure and jack allen in the comments said that type five accelerator started my comedy journey so yeah, yeah jack was great he was actually across the pond he would be hilarious. up at like midnight attending the classes hilarious yeah and jack is very funny y'all very very funny, funny. yeah so yeah, we, we still have on our website, hopperthmedia.com, like classes and workshops and such for y'all to enjoy and uh, get value from. But for the Type 5 Accelerator, it's if we do one, you guys will definitely be the first to know. Um, but uh, thanks for thanks for asking there, Jerry. Um, so let's yeah, let's let's get into these other questions, yeah, my friends. Sure. And uh, if y'all are enjoying this, hit that hit that thumbs up button on the live stream so the peeps can, so the algorithm can show us a little more love, yo. And if you're listening to the podcast, go subscribe to our YouTube channel and join our Facebook group and subscribe to our email list while you're at it as well. Just go ahead and do all the things for all this amazing free content that you get every single week. And did we mention it's free? Because our wives sure do every single week. Um... <laughs> Oh, and Mary Baker said she's looking forward to seeing me in Bristol. That's very exciting. Yes. Awesome, man. I'm excited, dude. All right. So next up, we have Cinema Quirks. And y'all just remember, it's thundering and looks like it's storming here. So for whatever reason, I will not manifest it, but I just want y'all to be aware um, that if anything cuts out, it's because God or Yahweh or... <laughs> The universe, or whatever you want to say, um, deemed it so. So, Cinema Quirks, speaking of gods, two comedy gods, head-to-head, -head, in your opinion, who's better, Chappelle or Pryor? Mm. I mean, I you know, if you had to pick one, if somebody put something sort of you know made you had to choose one it was like oh i'm gonna take your kids away you got to choose between this right uh i would have to go with prior 
that uh, special that he did, I think, can stand the test of time. Like, I, I don't know any other comedian that can tell the story about what they went through after they went through it like he did and then bring you in into his world like Richard Pryor did. Like master storyteller, amazing at the jokes, amazing at the physicality. Yeah, I mean, just that that Pryor special alone is- Which one? The um, live- Is it on live on sunset in the red, yeah. in the suit? In the red, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where he bombed, he bombed the first taping of that. Did you know that? Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. I heard about that. Yeah, I heard he bombed the first taping. And the then... first taping that he bombed and had to come back the next night and retape it. Yeah. He yeah. left early. He walked off the stage the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Which is wild to think that that was even possible given what that final product was. Because that was an amazing special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just off of that alone, I'd, I'd have to give it to, to Pryor. It... I, I honestly, I want to argue with you for the sake of entertainment, but like, <laughs> <laughs> I want to argue with you. I, for that sure. would, that would be fun. Like there's a podcast called taste buds where they just argue about different foods, like what's for better sure. Oreos or chips Ahoy and stuff. So that would be fun just to argue what comedians are better. Um, Dave Chappelle is. Yeah. I feel like he's had more of a cultural impact, though. I feel like he's been in the zeitgeist more. I feel like what he's done, he's had some personal things, but the Chappelle show is one thing that just like, I don't think Richard Pryor, he had the Richard Pryor show, but he didn't have anything as culturally impactful as Chappelle's show. And the fact that this dude, Chappelle drops, what was it, three Netflix specials? Just like back to back to back, just yeah, like four. straight yep. up 50 for 50 yep. mil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you bring up a really good argument. You bring up a really good argument from a cultural impact perspective, right? What Chappelle has done with, first of all, the Chappelle show probably will go down as probably the best sketch show of all time. Mm. I, I, I have a hard time trying to rank something above that when it comes to sketch shows, just mm-hmm. as a collective, right? Now, if they had more, then maybe you could say that there was other stuff, but like Chappelle show, like, I mean, honestly, best sketch shows I think of all time is Chappelle show and Key and Peel. Uh, yeah, Mr. Show's up there as well. Show, very Mr. true. Show's a good one. Right, but like the three seasons of Chappelle show were if I'm not mistaken, the best selling DVDs of all time, like Mm. in terms of like from the numbers that I remember seeing, no one has ever been like from a comedy perspective, it it wasn't sold in CD form, but it was like the best selling DVD of all time. Like, and part of it, I think was the allure of the fact that he left afterwards, the cultural impact that it had on comedy in general, and then he wasn't doing comedy years afterwards. You know what I'm saying? And then and came back of, and sold out Radio City Music Hall like nine times in a row. Yeah, right? So to your point, <laughs> you make a really good point that there, it's hard to not 
give Chappelle his flowers, given the type of cultural impact that he would have. So I think this is one of those things, you know, I'd compare it to the to the LeBron Michael Jordan uh, conversation. Yeah, and that's what Cyrus said in the comments. Was this is just like right. yeah, comparing LeBron and a Jordan. yeah. So I I personally believe LeBron is the best basketball player of all time, but I completely understand why there's so many people that love what they saw when they were during the time of Michael Jordan. There's not many young people. I would say anyone who's like thirty or probably 40 and younger who would say that Jordan was the better version was the best basketball player. Cause they never got to see Jordan like that. Most people just know what they see. And right now Chappelle is kind of killing it from a cultural zeitgeist perspective. Mm-hmm. And you don't know the impact that prior had beforehand. So I could see it in both kind of ways, but yeah, I mean, that is a hard thing. I, I would say, I'd give it to Chappelle from a cultural impact perspective, because I feel like we're also at the midst of how we think about all the conversations, which I think on trans issues, pronouns, freedom of speech, all these things are all part of sort of the cultural zeitgeist right now. And he's kind of at the top of the food chain when it comes to comedy. So there's that element of well, uh, as well that I think he's just mastering. So you're not going to defend Pryor. You're just going to say, I see you, Joel. You have anything to I, defend? I, I don't have anything to fit. I, I see you. Like, that's it's it's a solid argument, dude. It, and I, w- I will say stand-up to stand-up, though. Stand-up is so personal and preference. It's like a food preference, you know? Like, some people love cilantro and other people hate it. Like, me personally, I love the more personal, I love the more storytelling side of things. So when when this question came up, my brain went to prior, but yeah. you said prior. So I thought, well, let me not go to prior and see what we can cook up here for the hot breath of verse. But stand up to stand up, I prefer Richard Pryor for the sake of it's just, it is that raw storytelling, autobiographical, yes. incredibly personal, incredibly true. And, and he was on the forefront of a lot of the freedom of speech stuff that now... Yep. Chappelle gets to benefit from absolutely. So, yeah. Stand up to stand up. I my preference is prior. If I have to pick one, yeah. uh, but I mean they're both. Yeah, you can't go wrong with either. They're both uh, goats for sure. Both goats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd for be, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. That's oh, we have Amy Brown in here from ATL. Was Goody fam? What up? What up? What up? Jeff Arnold said, "Hey from Tampa. Good to see you there, Jeff." Oh, we we out you. So good question there. That's a I like that question though. I like that question there, Cinema Quirks. I like um more just comedy questions in general. I like getting into the educational stuff, but even just like, what do you think of yeah, X versus Y, or what is next for comedy, or you know, uh, what Nate Bargatze is doing with his YouTube channel is very interesting with producing his own, not only podcast, but original comedy specials. And he, he's about to release like his version of don't tell comedy. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of it. Um, Eliza Schlesinger is doing the same with 800 pound gorilla where she just released like a showcase show where she's like profiling some of her favorite up and coming comedians. So there's a lot of interesting things happening right now. That's um, beyond good. just the educational stuff that I enjoy talking about. So 
just say for, you know, as we do these Q and A's, they don't all have to be educational if you don't want. Um, but it's whatever y'all want to ask. Um, we'll get into it. Yeah. We'll fight if we have to. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. There's a boxing bell. Yeah. I wonder, uh, Mookie G said, what are some good ways to get booked across the country? Not necessarily in comedy clubs. Uh, well, I'll say first, if you're not in our Facebook group, join our Facebook group, which is linked in the description of this episode and post a city that you want to go to. And most likely in the over 6,000 people in our Facebook group, someone in there may be able to help you out or search that city on Facebook. And there's like coming to Nashville, coming to Atlanta groups to where you can post in there and people will give you booking info. That's a, that's just a quick one off the top of the dome there. I mean, it's using your network more than anything else because you know we've said it many of times the majority of the way that you are going to get booked for comedy is through other comedians yeah and it's also just playing the professional game like if you're gonna send something out to people and be like hey i'm coming through the city send your best clip uh send out something that represents you be respectful be like hey don't just be like i'm here tomorrow give it time give them right. some time to try to help help you out and then also i think the biggest thing is like reciprocate that same kind of love when those people come to the city as well so i think that's super important to just like we're all a community here and we're all trying to get that stage time trying to you know get that love trying to make sure that you know people see us so just be wary not wary but like be conscious that if you help people out they will also help you out just overall i've never not been helped when i've ever been to a city just straight up yeah yeah so yeah tap into the hot breathiverse is a great way um for sure there mookie yeah um next question and also if you're going to a town you can also just like cold call cold email venues that maybe are doing music or karaoke or other things. And you can just reach out and ask if they would want to do a comedy show as well. If you have like zero leads in that city or you can poetry open mics, you can perform at other types of open mics. I've performed at poetry, open mics, music, open mics, karaoke. Like I performed anywhere. There's a microphone. So if you really want that stage time, that's another route that's also accessible to you. Yeah, I also think it's smart to like find the information of the bookers of the comedy clubs in the city that you're going to and just send them like, hey, I'll be in town this weekend. I was wondering if I can get a feature set or if I can get a couple of minutes on stage or a guest set. Yeah. Or a guest, a guest set. Yeah. And send them a tape. And, you know, it has worked for me. I've had people be like, oh, yeah, this is great. Um, and then it also helps if you've got someone who could vouch for you too. Uh, if they know someone, uh, not that it's needed, but if you do, that's always helpful. Someone who can vouch yeah. for you in those comedy groups in, that have like, oh, I'm coming to Atlanta or I'm coming to San Diego. There's always people that will be like, vouch. Hey, this guy is absolutely hilarious. Right. Mm -hmm. Those help. I book comedians off those things all the time. If we've got like, just people in the city. I've booked them for the shows that we we do together. If I know you're coming in town for that weekend and, and you want to get up on stage, for sure, I'll look through and be like, 
I'll watch because, you know, some of our shows are clean, clean shows. So I want to make sure that you can actually do a clean set. Uh, and I will book you for that show. And I think there's other other bookers that'll do the exact same thing. And the more heads up, the better. I know as comedians, we can wait to the last minute or the last <laughs> hour, you know, even. I'm guilty of that as well. But the more heads up you can give, the, the higher your chances are going to be to find uh, a show, for sure. And this is coming from someone who is very guilty of waiting last minute for Absolutely. things like that. So that's a good question uh, yeah, yeah great question um all roads lead back to the hot breath of us i crack myself up any secrets to a solid open mic um i'm not really sure if that's is that for performing or do you think that's for like producing we'll just take it from the each side We'll go performing and we'll go producing. Uh, for performing, I think it's just preparation. Just prepare and practice what you are going to do. And I think whatever happens at the open mic will happen. But I think just, you know, I think you and I do this. We over prepare for things to make sure that when we get there, like we were prepared and the likelihood is whatever we prepared isn't what's gonna happen but we were prepared for the best. And I think that's just an important factor when you want to go into an open mic from a performance perspective. Yeah. He said producing. Okay. Um, what do you follow it up with? Yeah. For an open mic. I mean, a few, I mean, open mic is kind of the wild west, but I mean, a few things are just setting up the show to win. Like having something as simple as the chairs facing the stage. Um, Kind of like even in the show, Yoshi, you and I did Thursday, between where the mic was set up and where the audience was, there was a big gap. So we moved where the mic was and made us the center of the room. And then it became like, it was perfect. And we performed at that venue a few times. This was the first time we moved there. Best yeah. setup yet. Best show we've had yet. Best most tips we've setup. had yet. Yeah. And I think it's just recognizing where people can garner the most attention where can most people follow their eyes towards you as the comedians or towards the stage just think of it as like you have to have everyone's attention it's important to when possible if possible turn off tvs behind you so no yes. one is distracted when they're looking yes. at you turn off music if there's music playing like bars are just doing what bars do or breweries mm -hmm. or whatever it may be ask them to turn off those sounds so they have your full attention when you are giving them a show and it's what you are giving them uh more than anything else is that oh, okay we're doing comedy from this time to this time and so it's just important just to take out any kind of distractions as much as possible the other element is also make sure you remind people uh to um tip if you're doing a tip show remind people that this is how you give money to the comics, remind people to get drinks, uh, remind people to actually like do the thing that the bar wants, which is drink. Uh, I think that's helpful. I think I'm probably given like a lot of hosting stuff as well, but there's just like elements of reminding people about the venue, reminding people to thank, tip their waiters. Uh, this is important for all clubs. 
And then remind people to go to like the website to check out the more shows. Tell people when you'll be back, I think is an important thing as mm -hmm. well. So they know, oh, we've got friends that would love to have seen this. When's the next time you're going to have a show? I think is a super important thing to do for an open mic. And even, I mean, even for a show, but even for an open mic, hey, we do this every week or we do this every two weeks or every third Thursday or every third Friday, whatever it may be, just a reminder to people that this is what you're doing. And then um, start on time as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Start on time <laughs> is a big one. And if you're not going to start on time, make the announcement at the start time of the show of like welcome everyone we're gonna start a few minutes late thank you all so much for being here feel free to grab a drink or just get comfortable we're gonna start here in just a few minutes thank you for coming so if starting on time is crucial but but if you don't start on time at least when the show is supposed to start make Tell sure you people. go up there make an announcement welcome people let them know what's what's up that's crucial for retention and people coming back and telling their friends and family to come as well yeah because a lot of people there's i mean not a lot of people but some people are very uh time conscious right if you don't say anything they're wondering what is happening so it's just good just to say something before they're like well is this going to happen because then people just might leave like they might not think it's going to happen if you yep. don't tell them oh this is going to start in a couple of minutes so yeah that's yep. a really good one exactly yeah that's a big one we're waiting for more people to get here just to start for the people that are there at least let the respect the people that are there on time to let them yeah. know the deal and don't start yeah. late if at all possible yes yes <laughs> uh yeah um cyrus zed from up in toronto asked uh when did you guys Make the tradition to full-time comedians. Ah, gosh, I think mine was seven or eight. I need to look back. I don't. It was six, seven, or eight years in. Maybe seven to eight years in. I was working, refilling mini bars, living in the hood of Atlanta in a studio apartment. Saved up a nest egg. Um. Oh, what I did was I was working at Enterprise Rent-A-Car, living in the hood of Atlanta, saved up a nest egg, then started refilling mini bars. So I took a lesser paying job that gave me more flexibility to pursue comedy more. So I kind of eased into comedy that way. I didn't just dive in blind. I like saved up a nest egg, took a lesser paying job that had more flexibility and had free food. So when I would do road gigs, I would have all these expired mini bar foods that I could eat. I ate, I lived on Cliff Bars for a week straight. Um, that's no cap. Um, <laughs> or regularity. No cap or regularity. Uh, <laughs> it was like, we call that the mud tour. But um, so I eased into it that way and I had a nest egg. And as comedy got a little busier, I like sat down and was like, all right. What is the best case scenario, me quitting my job and pursuing comedy full time? What is the worst case scenario? And I weighed the options and was like, am I willing to live with the worst case scenario? And I was like, yes. So then from there, I took the leap. So I kind of did a gradual, saved up, and then took lesser paying jobs with more flexibility and eased into it that way. So I would say seven or eight years in, I would say. I like, I waited till I had. A, a show worth paying for as well. Like I waited till I was like, all right, I think I'm good enough for people to pay to see me and make a living out of this. Mm, nice. 
Uh, yeah, I think uh, mine was last late last year, around like September, October time. So that was about seven and a half years in. Um, and I think so. My journey was a little different because I went full time about year one and a half in. Like I was a year and a half into comedy. And uh, at the time, my wife was working full time. And I was like, I just got into comedy. I was like, babe, this is it. This is the thing. I want to go all in kind of thing. So a year and a half in after just killing the open mic scene, I was killing open mics, but not doing a lot of book shows. I was still doing a couple of book shows, definitely not getting paid for it uh, to any extent. I was mostly getting paid in exposure and uh, gas money at this time. So like uh, I went in like a year and a half in and then about two years in, I was like, oh, this is not a good idea. Uh, because I didn't really know anything about comedy. And then, you know, fast forward year three, four, five, six, seven, I went back to work while I was doing comedy on the side. And then, yeah, last year I made the leap. And uh, when I made the leap, I, you know, I already had money saved. And I was just like, hey, let me see what happens if I go all in on this. And that's when I did it. And, you know, I'm a married man with kids, and I made sure that it was all good with the wifey uh, and make sure that, you know, we had the nest egg to sort of dip into while I'm still getting paid some in tater tots. But, you know, the money started flowing in. And to your point, I definitely did it at a point where I felt like I had a product and I had a product that I can take on the road. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like I've got an hour that I can headline with go on the road, do a couple of shows and be good. Like I can do a weekend really at any spot. Um, and so that's kind of when I made the leap, like, okay, I've got something that is marketable and I can take anywhere, any city. I've got the stuff uh, to make it happen. So that's when I made my leap was about seven and a half years in. Yeah. And it's all personal. It's all personal preference. Like yeah. it's really kind of, what you're willing your lifestyle to be in a certain sense. I mean, I had friends who jumped in very early and were sleeping on the floor of like a two bedroom apartment with like five other people in it type deal. You know, like it's all kind of what you want to do. You can do it whenever you want, just based on what kind of lifestyle you want to live basically, you know? So, um, yeah, we, we took both. We took a little more of the, I guess, methodical, thoughtful route, but there's no really right or wrong way. I will say when comedy becomes your full-time gig, it can very easily, if you're not careful, take all the fun out of it because now this is your livelihood. Now this is your way to get food on the table. Like It, it, it adds another layer of pressure beyond just Oh, we're doing comedy, telling sillies, hanging out, maybe getting a few drink tickets. This is awesome type deal, you know? So do be yeah. mindful of that. When comedy does become your full-time gig, it's very glamorous. You know, we know full-time comedians that live in their cars as well. So there's full-time comedy is very vague from Sebastian Maniscalco selling out Madison Square Garden for a month <laughs> to a comedian living in their car going open mic to open mic. So sure. just it's kind of what you want 
out of your own career and what you're willing to live with, basically, and being honest and transparent with yourself because there is there's no rush. I will tell you this. I mean, you can. Yeah, there, there. You can be, you can be discovered too soon, but you can't be discovered too late. So you're not missing out by not blowing up, quote unquote, blowing up within like a year or two, and it taking you 15 years or 20 years. Where Nate Bargatze is now selling out arenas, but he's been doing it over 20 years to get there. So it's all kind of personal preference and what you're willing to do and what you want out of your own career as well. Yeah. Yeah, I would just say make sure that the people around you uh, are supportive because comedy is a lonely business. So you want to make sure that there's plenty of that you get a lot of support. And I'd say try not to go at this alone, if possible, where, you know, if you're living in your car and you are like sort of solo, sort of a solo person, really like I know comedians that every city that they're in, they reach out to comics in that city like, hey, you got a couch I can crash. I think that's smart to do that. Uh, and that way you're also expanding your network of people that you get to know as well. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yep. And if you're married, it's being completely transparent with your spouse about this topic and this discussion and what it looks like. And or if you're dating someone like, you know, letting them know, hey, I'm going to be out at open mics before my wife moved down here and we moved in together. I told her, like, this is this is what I do. This is what my lifestyle looks like. I'm gone like every night or I'm gone all weekend type deal. Like I was just very transparent and honest. And that transparency will help alleviate any stress or worry down the line because you let your spouse or significant other know that this is part of the gig. This is what this is what I uh, signed up for type deal. Yep. So yeah, it's all personal preference. That's ours. Um, Jacob himself on YouTube is roasting me. Said it's I look like I look like the governor of California. I look like Snoopy. I look like Tucker Carlson. I mean, and all facts, but I mean, come on. I mean, the saddest, spit, spit you know, like game here. But you Jacob's know? profile picture is of him holding his child. So honestly. <laughs> Out of, I feel like whatever state Jacob lives in, I feel like the authorities are going to have the last laugh with him. And I don't want to roast him. You know, I'm above that. I'm out of that game. I've been there. I've done that. I don't want to roast anymore. I, I think life is roasting Jacob enough that he has a child and he is spending valuable time after their school. The child's out of school now. This is this is 6 p.m. This is primetime family time, and Jacob is on YouTube roasting me. And oh, that's on yeah. him. That's yeah, yeah. on him. DFAX will find him. They'll roast him. They'll also, get him with that alimony. Uh, also, Jacob just sent us a super chat, so just disregard everything we've ever said about Jacob. There we go. <laughs> Money heals all wounds. There you go. There you go. Thank you, Jacob himself. We appreciate that, buddy. All right. All right. <laughs> Man, don't make me don't make me flashback. Yoshi, these kids don't know. They don't know. They don't know the comedy hype rooftop roasts. The on that went in on they don't, they don't know they don't know that see that's an old me that's old me they're gonna make me go back to the old me the devil is a lie they're gonna make me backslide <laughs> on here Yoshi. i'm trying to 
I'm dry bar Joel now. I'm clean. You know what I'm saying? But they're always trying to pull a brother back. They try to pull a brother back, you know. <laughs> Just when you get out, they try to bring you back in. <laughs> they don't know. Y'all don't Y'all don't even know, boy. Don't don't make me get white boy Joel out here. <laughs> boy, we used to go in, fam. They don't even seen some things. Boy. Boy. <laughs> they don't even know. Oh, and they ain't gonna know because I want to get booked. Don't um, <laughs> even know about. They don't even know about my rabbit past. I used to be rabbit out in these streets. Um, so as we're starting to land this plane here, let me see. Um. Uh, bu- 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 Chris Summers asked a few questions. We like to just ask, answer one. Um, uh, let's see. He said, we already, he said, best city starting out. We talked about that on a previous show. Um, if you had 300 pages of material, how would you go sifting through, condensing it to five, seven, 20 minutes? Um, difference between guys who make it to those who get stuck at open mics for 10 to 20 years, how do you find your persona? So he asked that one first. Um, uh, I feel like the most relevant for people listening is going to be the the persona one, maybe. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's do that one. Because, I mean, the diff- like the people who make it, out of the open mic circuit and actually get on the road and stuff. And that just comes down to being proactive. I mean, that really just comes down to people who are willing to like, some people just get stuck in open mics. They use it as a social scene and they're just out getting drunk after every show. And they use it more as like a hangout, which if that's what you want to do, fine. But if you want to become a professional comedian, you got to treat it like a job and really be grinding on stage. Um, And networking and such, like we talked about last week, but treating it like a job, being professional. I think those who get stuck at open mics just do the same jokes every single week at the same places every single week, and they just get comfortable. Um, Finding your persona, though, I mean, it, it comes down to writing what's personal to you at the end of the day. Like, persona is, like, personal. So writing about your life, writing about what interests you, writing about, I was just... Angela Johnson just released a new special on YouTube, and I just listened back to her Hot Breath interview that we did together today, and she talked about finding your voice as like diving into things that uh, are personal to you, childhood experiences, things that embarrass you, things that excite you, things that confuse you, things that you have a personal, emotional attachment to. That's where you're going to start to talk about these topics from your most natural state, and that's where your persona will bloom from. Yeah, I mean, I think the persona question is, is, it's a good one and it's a complicated one, but I'll say one way to find out sort of where your persona is from an audience perspective, not that like the audience is the validating element, but when you're doing like your jokes and people are telling you sort of, hey, this is what, people would let you know what they liked versus what they, not necessarily what they don't like, but like what really resonated with them. And what I found that what I got a lot of feedback on was like, hey, I really like your dad material. Or hey, yeah, stuff about the kid stuff was hilarious. Hey, that HOA joke really, really hit. 
that as I've like looked at my material and like was developing it, I was like, oh, that's because I'm talking about the things that I'm going through. And that's how you sort of refine like, hey, what's sort of the thing that you are doing and the persona that you are coming off across and being comfortable with that persona. I'm good with being a dad, being good with living out in the suburbs and good with talking about the HOA because that is exactly what I am. Where it kind of like rubber meets the road is if you don't like the stuff that you're talking about and you want to change it or you don't like like the material that you're saying just doesn't feel like you then you just got to find more ways to like talk about the daily things that you go through like what kind of things are you going through on a normal basis i think uh john cosma we're gonna screw his name up kuzma forever and yeah he even booked yeah. us in charleston uh in a few months and we still got his yeah. name wrong we'll, we'll say cosma uh yeah. he talked about really like what kind of moments that you have that was one of the mm -hmm. things i liked about his uh his interview he was like what moments do you have throughout your day like what are the moments that sort of are happening in your day that most people may not have or they're very very unique to you and capture those within your comedy capture those in your clips capture those for your audience um and see how that resonates with the, your material so i think it's just important to take note of what people find funny take note of what people remember as well. And then also take note of what you feel good about. And I think sort of that combination will help you find your persona. Yeah. I think paying attention to how you're funny off stage as well is very important of, is it, is it your sarcasm? Is it your silliness? Is it your like, is it your roasting? Is it your cutting remarks? Like, is it certain, do you speak a certain way? Do you speak with a certain vocabulary or something like, Paying attention to how you're funny off stage and starting to translate that onto stage is how a lot of people also find their persona. And also take all this information with the reality that it takes time to make all of this happen. So yeah. you're aware yeah. of how to find your persona and the process of actually developing and cultivating your persona is being on stage as much as possible now that you're aware of talking about these personal things or things that you're funny off stage with and taking them on stage and just gradually working through them on stage and you'll start to find what does resonate with the audience that you can then build upon so, so what do you think about um i've had this question asked before comics who talk about trying to find their persona like as soon as they start stand up because I think I have a different take because I think you should learn how to write jokes and figure out joke telling and just the art of joke writing and telling before you try to find your persona of just writing, like getting into the habit of jokes. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, for me, I think the first thing you have to figure out before you can figure out a persona is you have to figure out how to make something funny. Like you need to understand you, you almost have to, you have to learn the rules before you break them. So I, I believe you do have to learn how to write a joke, how to get consistent laughs on stage, because once you build up the confidence in that skill set, that's when you get the stage confidence to start exploring and being more vulnerable on stage and being able to actually listen to the audience 
and actually start to develop with the audience for so early in your career you're literally just like i gotta get this next word out to this punchline regardless of what happens type deal you're not having a you're not having a dialogue with the audience you're literally just like doing a monologue just hoping you don't like pee everywhere (laughs) so i do believe you first need to learn how to just make your dog funny or make the news like a headline funny i think you do need to learn the fundamentals and then you can start to spin them and apply them to your own personal style and preference but you know i mean for probably the first five years i was just like all one-liners i just learned how to write a one-liner and just hammered it home over and over and over again until i developed like a set where i was getting consistent laughs and could start to grow from there it's dude it i i don't want to burst anyone's bubble but from all the interviews i've done (laughs) everyone has said it takes like 10 years to figure out even who you are yeah Yeah. it takes you 10 years on stage to figure out who like who you are and then it takes another five years to figure out what you want to talk about and then (laughs) from there the fun starts so I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but like after interviewing over 400 comedians and after being in comedy 13 years, and I would say the pandemic kind of took two years of that away, but I can say, yeah, I'm just now like getting into like, oh, this is kind of my style on stage. So what do I want to do with it? You know, and I'm still learning. Yeah. And I've interviewed people 20 years in that say they're still learning, but sure. it take it takes time, dude. So just learn and the I rules think, first. And I think one thing, especially around your persona is to like... I think it's important as a comedian to have fun on stage. Yes. So you get to figure out like how you're received by the audience. Like I'm thinking about the set that we just did this weekend. Like as I was going through like my prepared material, there was literally kids running around at this place. Yeah. With no shirts on. Yeah. With no shirts on. Just like, just, just free range kids just running around this place. And I didn't just keep going on my jokes. I just went to material. I was like, oh, I've got one of those free range kids. And yep. it just helped me sort of like ground that. And then I made a joke about, I literally asked this little girl what her name was. And it just like made the show much more organic when she told me her name. And I made fun about how, like something about how, oh, uh, I thought your name would be Keisha, but her name was Grace. And how that would be great for if she was an ally and if her parents were an ally, they would have named her Keisha rather than Grace. So like just being in that moment of just accepting things as they were, that was me playing my dad. That was me Mm -hmm. playing dad and being comfortable with who I am, just seeing kids run around and sort of going into a natural mode of what is this kid doing? Let me interact with this kid or else they're going to disturb the show in the way that they want. I'd rather control the narrative of what's going to happen before they go do something. So I think it's important to also just be like a, uh, what's the word? Just be like, have fun on stage. Like that's so important to also just have fun on stage. And that's how you'll find yourself and find your persona um, when you're doing comedy. Yep, for sure. Um, we're running out of time here, so let's set up the timer. Let's do a quick, um, for these last few, let's just do a quick lightning round here. Because uh, I want to get to them, because Zaynova said, you guys rock, thank you in advance. And I just, I want to, you know, I want to get to them. Um, so, um, Zaynova asked, 
and we'll keep it to a minute. We'll do this lightning round. How did you guys used to go about structuring a five minute set in the beginning? I'm on the open mic circuit in LA and want to fuse my jokes together better. You guys rock. Thanks in advance. So, hmm. well, don't say so and then pause. We have 60 seconds. You just gave yeah, this yeah. thoughtful okay. pause and now I'm distracting it into. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> we'll no. restart the timer for you there, Zainova. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Five minute set. I think it's important that if you've got, in a five minute set, I'd say you probably have five to six, maybe seven jokes, I would say is sort of typical. Five to seven uh, jokes that you have, maybe, right? In terms of just jokes, in terms of actual topics, for you to say a setup, say a punchline, say some tags, whatever it may be. I think it's important that the structure be your second best joke goes first, mm -hmm. your best joke goes last, everything in between you can organize based on how you are telling your jokes. I think it's important that your jokes go in some kind of order. If you're talking about like when I used to be a kid and now I'm an adult, don't do the adult thing first and then do the kid thing later. Just do the kid thing first and then do the adult thing sort of later. I think it's important to structure things in a good timeline if that's how your jokes are structured. But if you're doing a showcase set, just try to do things that get the most laughs just out, out the gate. So work on really what in your five minute set gets you the most laughs. I would say that's how you structure sort of your good five minute set. Yeah. Um, well, Yoshi took up all the time, but <laughs> yeah, the transitions and segues between joke to joke can come organically over time. You just first want to focus on like, what is a joke I know gets a laugh? All right, let's open with that. What is a joke I know gets a laugh? Let's close with that. So you want to open with a laugh within hopefully 15, 20 seconds, and then you want to end with a laugh. And then anything else in between, you can make it based on topic. All right, I'm talking about my family for the first minute or two. I have all my family jokes in this section, and then I have all my like my job jokes in the middle, and at the end, maybe dating or whatnot. So you can organize them based on topic as well. That'll make it a little more organic, but the audience doesn't, if it doesn't flow completely conversationally from topic to topic, they're just listening for jokes. So you don't have to overthink that aspect. Those The segues usually come more organically. Perfect. Nice. Yeah. All right. Um, Cinema Quirk. Did he already ask one? Did Cinema Quirk already ask one? Well, they basically asked, did, um, is Rogan's Mothership the new comedy store? Well, as someone that's been there, <laughs> not to brag but yeah it is 100 percent the new comedy store um nice. yeah did yes. you perform there or did you just go i just went i just okay. went and watched i did not nice. perform there right. but it yeah not yet yeah not we're yet. working on it we it was very on cool it. i got in for free if that helps i got to go hang out in mitzi's bar nice. if that helps i got recognized by a hot brethren if that helps yeah, while we were there, uh, and then a hot brethren is a door guy there who actually, who actually Tony? got me in. No, C.J. Landry. Oh, Tony's okay. not a Tony Hinchcliffe is not a door guy there. Sorry, Casillas, Tony Casillas. He's oh, a door guy. no, 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 no. C.J. Oh. Landry. Um, okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. Nice. Um, but yeah, it, it it all the hype is true about that place. Mudit. Um, <laughs> Any thoughts on showcases where comics introduce the next comic instead of having a host slash MC? 
I think it's for an I mean for an open mic, I think it's fine for one comic to introduce the next. Um for a showcase, I would I would definitely prefer to see um a host, a host. go up. Um uh, now sure. that being said, speaking of mothership, the shows I watched, just one comedian introduced the next one. There wasn't a host that went up in between each one. So it can help the show flow more, but I think for a showcase vibe, I like there to be a host. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, I've seen it done where comedians um, bring on the next person. Where I've seen an issue is that comedians forget who the next person coming up is or they kind of pause and like, oh, who's coming up next? Or they'll ask somebody else who's coming up next. And so it can it can make the experience a little awkward. So I would say hopefully that the comedians have done that before and introduced the next one makes it much easier to do. Big facts. Nice. All we right. Did. Yeah. Well, we did it. We done did it. We, we done did, did it. it. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out. Absolutely. And on yo, this live stream. That Angela Johnson special, solid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I watched it today. Yeah, we're gonna have um we're gonna have Chris come on and do a breakdown of it. Um yeah. Yeah. he actually he actually got he actually got caught up. We we're gonna have him come on today. Um, oh, but like the weather's really bad right now. He said in Texas and there was like really bad traffic. So um and Chris is also a family man who has real life responsibilities that will come on here from time to time for free after <laughs> analyzing comedy specials for free, you yep. know? So yeah, yet yeah. another member of the hot breath of verse who's in it for the love of the game. I can't wait to be paying everyone a part of this, including myself. And <laughs> <laughs> get paid in exposure and love exposure. But in the meantime, love. between time, Yoshi and I are available for bookings. Let's talk. Yeah. Just this Ow. weekend, I'm performing. I'm headlining a comedy club, Blue Ridge Comedy Club in Bristol, Tennessee, all weekend, thanks to Hot Brother and Phil Ketrin. So reach out yeah. to us and let's let's work Absolutely. together. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you guys. This has been fun. Love and uh, just a reminder: we will not be here for the next two weeks. Uh, probably, uh, three weeks actually. We pre-recorded three quick episodes where we give you like the five top tips based on our most. Uh, asked questions we get so we'll be releasing those every week for the next few weeks on the podcast so do be sure to check those out and share them with your fellow comedians as we are gone i'll be out of town but we will be back in a few weeks but until then in the we love you all in between time holla 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 we love you all thank you all for hanging out Join our email list to be up to date on all the cool things we're doing here. Join our Facebook group to be a part of our daily writing contest. And we'll see y'all in a few weeks. We love you all. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. What's goody, Hot Breath of Verse? I am teaching a clean comedy workshop on Zoom this Sunday afternoon. So if you've ever wondered where the line is in clean comedy, how to transform your dirty jokes to clean jokes without compromising your voice, and get live feedback on your material in the workshop, scroll to the bottom of the show notes, click the link, join the clean comedy workshop, or go to joelbyerscomedy.com slash cleancomedyworkshop. And I'll see you there.
Last one sold out, so jump on it.